Good morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, and I'll begin to read in verse 12. I was really hoping, brother, you had this big print ESV. I've got this. Is it right there? Where is it? Oh, pardon me. It's going to go much better if I can see the words. Now I've got to find it. better. Philippians chapter 1, and I'll begin to read in verse 12. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. And that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from good will. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim, proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that, the, but, but that with all boldness Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in this flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. I do not know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to part, to depart and be with Christ, which for that is far very much better. Yet... To remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. Let's pray. Lord, I, I, am, I am honored and privileged, Lord, to bring this message I am grateful, Lord, for what you've done in my life. 
And I'm grateful for what you've done in the lives of those present today. I know that's a work of you. And Lord, it is no secret we all have heavy hearts because of what we see in our culture today. An utter rejection of you and your word. And I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Father, that you would make us light in darkness. Lord, that you would use us to bring souls to Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the example of Paul. May our ears be open today. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was a teenager, I purchased my very first car on my paper route salary. It was a 1972 Buick Opal. And me being a teenager, thought it wasn't very sporty. It lacked the coolness that I thought it needed. So therefore, I went to work. I put, instead of the, I replaced the stock wheels with mag wheels, 70s on front, 60s on back. Does anybody even know what I'm saying? Anybody? Just curious. Okay, I thought I'd at least get one hand. Okay, <laughs> two, okay, three, okay. All right, you guys are just lazy, I don't know. There was some damage on the back fender, and so a friend of mine helped me repair it, and if I'm being honest, he did all the work. After repairing the fender, the whole car, of course, needed a paint job. So we borrowed an air compressor from a friend, I bought some paint, and we only had one more problem. And if you know anything about painting cars, you don't just paint a car anywhere. You don't paint it outside, because dust and things you don't see get under the paint and make it look awful. So we had to find a, an in place indoors. And in my city, there was this gigantic park where baseball diamonds were and... and uh, uh, sports and tennis courts and stuff. It was huge. And we happened upon a gigantic building that was large enough to pull the car in. It was owned by the city, and I'm sure they didn't mind. I'm not naming the city or the park's name, just in case the Statue of Libertations had not expired. Anyway, so... We pulled that car inside and we painted that car and it looked good. So after doing that, I turned my attention to the interior and I used the rest of my paper route money to, to hire a, an upholstery shop to replace the carpet and uh, the front seats were bucket seats and so I had them reupholster the front seats with a diamond tuck interior, it looked fabulous. I did not have enough money for the back seat. So my friend and I thought a little bit and we had this bright idea that we would just spray paint the back seat. True story. It was a vinyl back seat. I mean, what could go wrong, right? And so that's what we did. Got a cans of spray paint and shh. You even hear the little marble now right there in your head, don't you? 
and we painted the back seat. And I'm going to tell you what, it was beautiful. There's only one problem. It never dried. It never, it's sticky. In fact, if the car still exists today, I guarantee you that back seat's still sticky. So the, the back seat was stunning, but it was completely useless. Now you know where I'm going, don't you? Wouldn't that be a shame if our outward appearance of our Christian life was stunning, but we were utterly useless for God to use us? Would that not be ashamed? I look at this passage at a life that is not useless. I look at the way Paul responds to everything in life, everything, and what happened. I think this is a great example of how our lives should be. I really do. I don't know about you, but oh, my heart's heavy. When I, when I read the next news story that talks about people that have been chosen to be in our government that are just absolutely the opposite of godly. And I could just I could sit here and curse the darkness, but I'm not going to. You know how depraved this country is. And the only thing that's going to change it is the hearts of Americans being changed, if God would even grant us that. That's the only thing that's going to... It's not a new president. It, it's not the right people. And all, we need Americans' hearts changed. And I believe the only way that's going to happen is through the light of the gospel. The light of the gospel. And I don't just mean the simple gospel that saves for salvation, but I'm talking about the word of God being displayed before Americans in the lives of Christians. Like this man here. So today I want to look at, I want to look at the response of Paul to everything that happened to him. In fact, it starts out, and in, in, uh, I, I did read, this was the NASB, which does read a little different from the ESV. But here I'm reading from the ESV where he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, and I want to stop right there, because we need to understand what, to even understand this passage, we got to understand the context. we got to understand what has happened to Paul. And so I want to, I want you, I want to ask you to turn to Acts chapter sixteen. Let's start at the beginning. Acts chapter sixteen, and I'll begin to read in verse eleven. And I want you to, I want you to know that I am from Ocean Way, and I was raised in Mississippi. So some of these words I'm going to butcher, but it's okay because I'm from Ocean Way and raised in Mississippi. Amen. And so uh, Acts chapter 16 and verse 11 says this. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Nepalias. 
and from there to Philippi. I want you to remember we're reading from the book of Philippians. This is our current the passage in context. And so that the book of Philippians was an epistle written to the church at Philippi. So he says, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city in the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. And we re- remained in the city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. Now in that day... Um, I am told that it required so many Jewish men to even have a synagogue, and so apparently there wasn't a synagogue, and so the next, the next custom, if there is no synagogue, was go to the river. And so they went to the river because they figured that's where they'd be, and they were right. He says, and we sat down, and we spoke to the women who had come together. And one who heard us was a, a woman named Lydia. From the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And as you can tell, uh, in verse 15, it says, after, And after she was baptized, so the Lord did open her heart, and she was saved. Uh, after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. And here is the, here is the beginning of the church of Philippi, right here. And if you continue to read in Acts 16, which we're not going to do, or else we'd be here all day, but if, uh, I would encourage you as your homework today, to go home and read, continue to read from Acts 16 and go as far as you can. Because this is, a, this is an interesting thing that happened to Paul. But in Acts 16, continuing, you find that Paul and Silas are thrown in prison. Go read and find out why, if you don't know already. And then, uh, while in prison, the Philippian jailer is converted. And then in Acts 17, we see Paul and Silas in Thessalonica, and Paul is in the synagogues. He spends three Sabbaths trying to convince the Jewish leadership from the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah. You need to pay attention. And many believed, it says, including devout Gentiles, leading women believed, but the Jews were jealous, and they formed a mob, and ultimately Paul and Silas had to leave. And this is the pattern that continues throughout the book of Acts. We see in Acts 17.10 that uh, Paul and Silas go to Berea and many believe there. But the Jews from Thessalonica, they learn that Paul and Silas are there preaching the word. And so they come there and they cause trouble. And that made Paul depart from that to Athens. Even though Silas and uh, Timothy remained in Berea. Paul addressed in Athens the Aragopagus. There's my Ocean Way pronunciation there. I was going to try it again, but anyway. Uh, and then Acts 7 and Acts 18, we see Paul in Corinth, where the Jews made another united attack and actually bought, brought Paul before the tribunal. And in Acts 19, we see in, uh, Paul in Ephesus. And I want, I want to pay, I want to, uh, zero in on verse 21 in Acts 19 where it says Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Arcadia and to go to Jerusalem saying after I have been there I must also see Rome. Paul wanted to go to Rome. 
In fact, in, in his epistle to Rome, he writes in verse 9, for, for God is my witness, uh, verse 9, chapter 1, for God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without season I'm ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will that I may now at last succeed in coming to you. Paul wanted to go to Rome. In fact, at the end of, of, of the book of Romans in chapter 15, he, he asked them, pray for me so that I can come and be with you. Then we see the Jews cause another riot in Ephesus. They want Paul in prison, but they aren't successful. Then we see Paul in Acts 20 go to Caesarea. Once again, the Jews plot against him, and eventually Paul sets off for Jerusalem. And on his way, we read this in Acts 20, verse 18, he calls the, uh, Ephes the Ephesian elders to come to him. He doesn't want to go to Ephesus. He asked them to come to him, and they come to him. And in verse 18, I, I think it's very telling what he says. We should pay very close attention to the attitude of Paul after all that's happened already. I mean, Paul's been thrown in jail. He's been beaten. He's, people are trying to kill him, and they're hurting him, and they're chasing him everywhere. MacArthur says every time Paul would show up at a, a, in a town, he wouldn't ask how the hotels were. He'd ask how the prisons were because he knew that's where he was going to end up, Right? But in verse 18 of chapter 20 in the book of Acts, we read this. And when they came to him, when the Ephesian elders came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know that I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and Gentiles of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in me to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That's his purpose. It's not about him. He, isn't, he doesn't regard his life at all. And he knows where he's going that there's not just going to be trouble, big trouble is awaiting him. But he wants to go. In Acts 21, he arrives in Jerusalem. He visits James and the elders, and he shares with them the things that God had done through his ministry to the Gentiles all through Asia. And James and the elders are glorifying God because of this. But they say, you know, we've got some believing Jews here. Who, who have heard that you, well, that you preach th that we should ignore Moses and the law completely, and you should ignore the customs of those, and, and they're, they're, they don't like that. And in Acts 21, 23, we read what they ask him to do. He says, do, they said, 
Do therefore what we tell you. We have four men who are under a vow. Take these men and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. Thus all will know that there is nothing in what they have been told about you and uh, but that you yourself also live in observance of the law. They just wanted to just act Jewish. Not asking him to to say that the law saves or anything. Just act Jewish. Keep the customs so these believing people won't think that you are anti-Jew. And Paul agrees. And he actually goes and goes into the temple to do this Jewish thing. But the Jews from Asia see him in the temple. And they begin to stir the crowd again. In fact, in Acts 21, 28, we read uh, them crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law in this place. It's not true. And then he said, then they say, Moreover, he has even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. That was an assumption that it's not true. And they drag him out of the temple. But before they could kill him, he was taken into custody by Roman soldiers. And in Acts 22, 25, we see him at the Roman tribune. And, and they want to get answers from him. Like, what, are, what, are they, what have you done? The Romans are, and they're, what they're going to do is they're going to beat the answers out of him. They want to flog him. But right before they flog him, Paul says this. Is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? Whoa, that stopped them in their tracks. They did not know he was a Roman citizen. That was dangerous. So they didn't flog him. In Acts 23, we see Paul is brought for the, before the Jewish council, and he cleverly directs the conversation to, so that uh, there's a dispute between the Pharisees and the Sadducees about a resurrection. And then there's a big fight. Later, Paul learns of a plot to kill him by the Jews, they're like, forget this. We're just going ha- to kill him. They've been trying to do it through the, through the Roman officials, but now we're just kill him. And so Paul lets the Roman authorities know about this. And, and so he's sent to uh, Felix, the governor. And in Acts 24, Paul spends two, we see Paul spending two years there in Jerusalem in prison. And why is he in prison? Because he's preaching the gospel. So Paul in Acts 25 appeals to Caesar. In Acts 27, Paul gets his wish. He wanted to go to Rome. And he's on a ship to Rome. You know, at this point, you know, would we, I mean, all that's happened to it, would we... How would we act? Woe is me. Everyone hates me. No one's nice to me. I've been thrown in jail. They don't know. This isn't right. This is unfair. And Paul spends two years in prison unjustly on his way to Rome. And then to top it off, there's a shipwreck. 
And he ends up on the island of Malta, and it's not over. Then he gets bit by a snake. You know, I think about Joel Osteen and his book, Your Best Life Now. Paul should have read that book, right? He should have read that book. No, this is the providence of God. And we read in Acts 28, he finally gets to Rome. Acts 28, 16, Paul's allowed to stay uh, by himself. He, he actually is, uh, is, has his own, he's under house arrest, basically. Acts 28, 20, we read that he's calling for the Jews in the, in the area to come to talk to him. He says, look, look, I'm wearing these chains because of this, because of you. Come to me. And in Acts 28, 23, they come to him. And he testifies to the kingdom of God and tries to convince them about Jesus and from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And we read in Acts 28, 30, and 31 that he's, he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him. What did he do? He was doing there. He was proclaiming the word of God. And teaching about the Lord Jesus. And it says with all boldness and with all, without hindrance. So back to Philippians. The Philippian church who loves Paul. And Paul loves them. Is concerned about Paul. He's in prison. Under house arrest, he's chained to a guard. And so they send a man named Epaphroditus to him, most likely to send, give him some money. After all, this is his own expense, maybe for companionship, and, 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 and it's likely that it's Epaphroditus that has brought this letter to the church at Philippi back to the church from Paul. We should ask ourselves, if we'd been chased from town to town because they're trying to kill us, you know who they are, right? If we'd have been arrested for speaking the truth, have, have we been imprisoned on trumped-up charges all because we speak the truth? I mean, has any of these things happened to us? And I don't know your lives, but I'm just going to assume, no, we have not been chased from town to town, people trying to kill us. We haven't, we haven't been arrested for speaking the truth. Maybe there's an exception here. We haven't been imprisoned on trumped-up charges. If, if, if we answer no to all of those, then there, is there any reason that we can't respond to the things of life like Paul responds? After all, we are, we're living cushy lives. So that's what I want to look at now. The response of Paul to all these things. Oh, this is so telling. First, I want to see in verse 12, the response of Paul to prison. 
And, and I want to see its effect on the gospel. It says here, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, he says. <laughs> Some say that the Greek word advanced is, uh, uh, involves uh, advancement with opposition. And that's for certain in Paul's case, right? In 1 Corinthians 16, in verse 8, we read, But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door of effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. And in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 1, we read, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain, but, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. And, and this, this, this isn't just relegated to Paul. This is the church. The early church had this. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, we read, And Saul approved his execution. Whose? This is Paul, now before named Saul, who approved the execution of, of Stephen. And there arose on the day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentations over him but Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house and he dragged off women and men and committed them to prison and now those who were scattered went about doing what preaching the word And in Acts 19, we read in verse, excuse me, Acts 11, verse 19. Now to those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But then there were some men of Cyprus and Cyrene who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. All because of scattering and persecution. All because of scattering and persecution. And in 2 Timothy Paul's epistle to Timothy, we write in uh, chapter 2 and verse, we read in chapter 2 and verse 1, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus Christ. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. 
It is, it is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Paul's response to prison was not to whine or to complain that he had been unjustly treated. No, it was the exact opposite. He knew God was sovereign. He remembered that God said that all things, uh, we know that for, for those who love God, all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. And God knows where Paul is. God isn't surprised that Paul went through all those things. God told him he would. And Jesus told us we would. And by responding the correct way, by not worrying about himself, the gospel advanced. Are you listening? So we see the effect on the gospel because of Paul's response to prison. Look at the effect on lost people. Verse 13. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and all the rest to, that my imprisonment is for Christ. So he's not just, he's not just because he's speaking the gospel or, or because he's gracious. They knew he was suffering for Christ. They knew it. It's like, wow, this guy really believes this stuff. And it says that it's become known through the whole, the whole imperial guard. I believe the NASB says the Praetorial, Praetorian guard. This is the, 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 the uh, personal elite guard of the, guards of the emperor himself. They were the protectors of Rome. MacArthur says they were kingmakers. Because remember, he's chained to these guards. He's chained to these guards. And it says, so it's known to them and to all the rest, even, even in the palace, even Rome is affected because Paul responded the right way. They knew, as he says, my chains are in Christ. What if, what would happen if we responded the right way? Wouldn't you love to see revival break out in Congress? At the Department of Education? Whatever. So Paul says, they know, they know my chains are in Christ. And he says this in Acts, uh, we read in Acts 20, I'll just read it again. We already read it once. In Acts 28, 20, it says, For this reason, therefore, I ask to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. I'm wearing this chain because I preach the gospel that Jesus is the Messiah. And the word chain there is halosis. I'm sure I pronounced that right. It's a short chain. 
placed over the wrists of the prisoner and, and, and the other ends on a soldier. It's, it's just a short chain. An escape was impossible. And I'm talking about for the guard. The guard couldn't get away. Paul says, what do you want to talk about? The guard says, I don't know. Paul says, let me tell you about Jesus. Now, Paul didn't say to the guard, do you know this is unjust what's happening to me? And, and whine and complain and try to escape? No, he took advantage of it, wherever I am. And we know that the gospel had an effect, but great effect, because at the end of the book of Ephesians, in chapter 4, beginning in verse 21, we read this. He greets every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. And then he says in verse 22, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Caesar's household was getting saved. All because Paul had the correct response to unjust circumstances. So we see the effect it had on the gospel. It advanced the gospel. We see the effect it had on lost people. They got saved. And then we see the effect it had on believers. Verse 14. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Isn't that, isn't that what it is? Nobody wants to do it, and then finally somebody does it, and then everybody goes, I can do that. It's kind of like, I, I, when I think of this, I think of Ray Comfort. <laughs> he makes it look so easy. I've lo- I probably watched 20,000 hours of Ray Comfort. I don't even know if there's 20,000 hours, but I've watched every one of them. And I, think, and I think to myself, I can do that. And I started doing it. You don't have to do it exactly like right comfort, but, but God bless him. And that's what happened here. They saw Paul. He stood for Christ in the midst of persecution. He took, come what may, he did not back down. And that emboldened believers to speak the word much more without fear. So there's Paul's response to prison and the effect it had. But now in verse 15, let's look at Paul's response to critics. And here in verse 15, we see their motive. Some preach Christ from envy and rivalry, he says. And apparently these aren't heretics because they're actually preaching Christ. They had the same theology of Paul, but it's not like Galatians 1.6 where it's another gospel. But they were preaching Christ from envy and rivalry, he says. They were jealous of Paul's giftedness, his success, large numbers, that he had already directly encountered Jesus. I don't know. MacArthur speculates about the possible ways of attack. He says maybe they said that Paul had sin in his life or he doesn't know how to tap into the power of of the spirit to bust out. I don't know. 
or the Lord wanted him out of the way and we're the ones you should be listening to or, or if he was really a man of God, he'd been martyred a long time ago. I don't know, that's speculation, right? But they were preaching from envy and rivalry. Can you imagine? Paul going through all that and then he hears... And you know he heard it because he wrote it down. He hears that there are some out there that are actually criticizing him. Uh, You know, I'm not going to be holier than that. That happened to me. If all that happened to Paul and then I hear that. Then there were those that. Those are the motives, but I want, I want you to see what he says. And this is going to, I don't, depending on your Bible, I noticed this unusual thing. In the ESV, the verses are switched. Uh, in, the, in the NASB, they're probably not, I don't know if they're, I know in the King James and the ESV, they're switched. And I don't remember when I was reading if the verses are switched, but verses 16 or 17, I believe, are switched. Is it those? One of, the, one of these verses, they're switched. And, I, and I, I understand that in Greek, word order isn't important all the time. It, and not that I understand Greek, but that's what I'm told by people that do understand Greek. So maybe that's why this happened. So if your Bible lead, if your Bible, you think I'm reading the wrong verse, I'm reading the ESV and this is what it says, okay? But here's what it says. The latter, so there's two that... There's two that preach, some from envy and strife, but the others from goodwill. And then he says in verse 16, here's the love. The latter do it out of love. Knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. Some preach, some preach because, oh man, they love God. Because of what God has done in their lives. I know that feeling. And they, and they preach because they, they love, the, the, because they've been gotten of God, they love the children of God. So some do that. And then here's the attacks here in verse 17. The former preach Christ out for, out for selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my punishment, in my imprisonment, that, he's, that is. In fact, so they're doing it. They're, they're not doing it to, prom, to promote Christ. But they're doing it to promote themselves. You know, in 1 Corinthians 13, where it says love is patient and kind and love isn't puffed up and doesn't parade itself. And you go, well, what does puffed up and parading itself have to do with love? Well, if you're, a, if you're a follower of Christ, the one thing you want to show people, the most loving thing you can do to, to people is show them Christ in you. And if you're puffed up and parading yourself, you're showing them you, not Christ. That's what these people were doing. They were promoting themselves, not Christ. And it's no wonder that Paul reminds the readers later in the epistle in Philippians 2, 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. So, so he's in prison, all these horrible things have happened and we know this is history if this was a movie we movie we'd go not that that wouldn't happen to anybody but this is history it's in the word of god we know it happened 
all these horrible things have happened to Paul. Run from town to town, people trying to kill him, everybody talking bad about him, shipwreck, gets bit by a snake. Woe is me, right? And then people start talking about him while he's in prison. And here's his response in verse 18. What then? In other words, so what? What am I going to do about it? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. Even if the motive is insecure, truth is truth. What Paul is saying, it isn't about me. The only thing that matters is Christ being proclaimed. And then, and so what's his response? He's going to rejoice. At least they're preaching Christ. My dad used to say something that has always stuck with me. He says, I don't get upset when people talk about me because if they're talking about me, they're not talking about someone else. That's yeah, kind of like what Paul's saying here. I don't care. Criticize me as long as you're preaching Christ. As long as you're proclaiming Christ, he says. And he says, in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. So, because of Paul's response to prison, the gospel's furthered. People are birthed into the kingdom. Believers are emboldened to speak the word. Because Paul's response to critics... Christ is preach anyway. He's going to rejoice. And then we see Paul's response to the threat of death, verse 19. In verse 19, he says, For I know, and again, if you're reading your Bible, I've noticed this, they're out of order. That's okay. But the ESV starts with, for I know that you, through your prayers, number one, he's relying, he, 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 even though he's under the threat of death, where does he find his comfort? In the prayers of his brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? Amen, amen. And then he says, not only in the prayers of the saints, but the provision of the Spirit, he says, through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And I'm reminded of Galatians 5. What, if Paul has the spirit in him, he knows, Lord, uh, I, I, I think it's, uh, I don't know if it's Ephesians. I think it is Ephesians. It might be Colossians, but Ephesians, where he prays that the believers are, are strengthened in the spirit so that they can understand they, so that they can be rooted and grounded in love, so that they'll understand the breadth and the height and the width and the depth of, of the love of Christ. And what does it take for that to happen? For the strengthened to be spirit to be strengthened, the spirit to be strengthened in them. Because when the spirit's strengthened, the fruit starts to show, and the fruit is love. So when all these bad things happen, Paul, I, uh, uh, he knows he's to love his enemies. Because they are lost. And he's to have joy. Uh, why? Because this isn't all there is. 
And in the spirit, he's to have peace because he's, he's got the peace that matters, and that's the peace with God. And, and this is a temporary place, and one day we're going to be with God, and that's unimaginably wonderful. And then with the spirit, you get patience. Patience when you, get it, when you want to get angry because people are talking about you or when things are not going right or you're being treated unjustly. But you're patient because you love these people and you want them to see Christ. Kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's what he relies on. He relies on the prayers of the saints and the provision of the Spirit and then the promise of Scripture because he ends it with, this will turn out for my deliverance. This will turn out for my deliverance. Whether or not, whether or not his, his, temporary, his, his current distress is temporary or, 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 and he'll be delivered or ultimately if he just dies and he goes to heaven... He's going to be delivered one way or another. According to MacArthur, this is a direct quote from Job 13, 16. Where in verse 16 says, this will be my salvation. This is a direct quote in the Hebrew, he says. So, he's, so he, rely, he remembers the promise of scripture. And not just this promise, but all promise. I am with you always. I go to prepare a place for you. And all those promises. And of course, all things work together for good for those that love God and who are called according to his purpose. So he, he finds solace in the prayers of the saints, the provision of the Spirit, and the promises of Scripture. And then he says this. He says this in verse 20. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that will but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Whether by life or by death. That's his attitude. Remember the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They said we're gonna we're gonna go into that fire, and either God's gonna save us, or he's from the fire, or they're not. He's not, and if he doesn't, we're gonna go to heaven. But we're not bagging down. And then Paul says this in verse twenty-one. And here's the point. Here's here's his response to the threat of death. And we're not here, we're not there yet, are we? But we're going to be. Uh, some of you, I think, are young enough that you're going to see this in your lifetime. I may not. I may not if I don't start eating right. But anyway, verse 21, he says, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. The only reason for being here is to, is to show people Christ. In a, in a biblical way, not in an American culture way, in a biblical way, showing people Christ. That's the reason we're here. Otherwise, we, we'll be in heaven with, we should be in heaven with God. But we're not. We're here to show 
people Christ. And let me tell you something. Americans need to see Christ. Not only that, the world needs to see Christ. So Paul's response to prison promotes the gospel. People get birthed into the kingdom. Believers are emboldened to preach the word and proclaim it without fear. Paul's response to critics is, I don't care. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. I'm sure he didn't say, I don't care. But And then Paul's response to death to live as Christ, to die as gain. And then we see Paul's response to life. What if he lives? Verse 22. If I am to live in the flesh, and that doesn't mean if he's going to be sinful, it means if he's going to live in this world, that means fruitful labor for me. That means that I can, I can do what I'm supposed to do. Be light in darkness. Show the world Jesus. The fruitful work of Christ. The work for the kingdom. Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell. To be the Christ or to yield more fruit. What do I want to do? And then he says in verse 23. So that's his dilemma. Here's his desire. For I am hard pressed between the two. Having a desire to depart and be with Christ. Which is far better. Amen? It would be far better to just be with Jesus now. But here's his devotion. We see the dilemma. His desire is to depart and be with Christ. But his devotion is, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. If I stay, God will use me. And oh, did he use him. Amen. I think it's interesting those that like to deny or like to say that when someone dies they sleep until Christ come. This these two verses blow that out of the water because if Paul was to die and sleep until Christ come, why would it be better than staying and being and producing fruit? It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be better for him. He'd be asleep. Anyway, just a rabbit trail then in verse 25 look at Paul's determination convinced of this I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith what what does he want he wants to see him grow and he wants them to have joy in the faith that they're in and then he says so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you. Why stay? For the glory of Christ. For the glory of Christ. It is said that he was prob- Paul was probably released from prison around A.D. 63. And in A.D. 65, just two years later, he was imprisoned again. Only Luke was with him. His friends forsook him, and he was later beheaded. And it sounds like a sad ending, but it isn't. 
he got his desire. He departed, and he was with Christ. And I say here now, this is how we're supposed to be. And I sit here knowing that I am not the example, but I need to be. We all need to be. Persecution is coming. If you're not, if you don't think that's true, you're not paying attention. This world, America, has rejected the gospel of Christ. It is, I have almost lost my job because I would not defy the word of God. And it's coming to each one of us. We're going we're to lose our livelihoods. We're not going to live as comfortably as we once did. And we're going to be asked to do things that are ungodly. And I pray that we respond like Paul responds. Not thinking of ourselves, but thinking of the glory of Christ. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus, Father, that you, you start a work in me, Lord, so that I will be like this example of Paul. Lord, when persecution comes, I pray, Father, I pray, Lord, that we are faithful, that we don't whine, we don't complain, but, Lord, that we just entrust our souls to you and continue to boldly preach the word. I pray this for everyone in this room. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, this was a message for believers. But if you're in this room and have never repented of your sin, that means calling sin what God calls sin, and having a godly sorrow for that sin, wanting not to be in that sin. It's a mental thing. And not only repenting, but turning from your own righteousness into the righteousness of Jesus Christ for your salvation. That's what needs to be done. I, am, I would implore you to do that today. Have you done that? And to my believers... You'll be in my prayers, and I pray that I'll be in yours, that we will be like Paul.